0: listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
1: welcome to invest talk above average investing for the average investor we try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial Eight 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 ninety nine charters our number, eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to Markham P B. How you doing, Mark? And for all those guys out there, Mark, who don't know where P B is, that specific beach. I yeah. grew up in San Diego, so we all called it P B.
2: Yeah. I have four different IRAs. Yes. I have a traditional, I have a Roth, a rollover, and a SEP. Okay. Can I uh combine any of those?
1: Yes. Is the SEP currently being funded right now? Is that no,
2: okay. I basically did it as like kind of a tax saving.
1: Right. I know I there, a lot 10, of us max, did.
2: Yeah. yeah, for about 10000 I guess that's yeah. how much you can pull out if you were to buy a house.
1: Yep. I did point. that too. So, a lot of yeah. people did that. Now, yeah. yes, you could combine the, the IRA, the rollover IRA, and the SEP IRA into one. What Pardon would me? it be under? Now it would be just a new IRA, just a plain old vanilla IRA.
2: Traditional IRA.
1: Yes. The SEP and the rollover. Because a rollover, and Mark, this is just for everybody else. A rollover is what happens when you have a 401k at a place of business and you're working there. And then you leave. You then can roll that 401k into a rollover IRA. Right. And that's what you did. And now you have three IRAs that can be combined, but you have to keep the Roth separate. Right. Okay, because of the two different way taxes are taken. Right. So what you can do is you can call some money manager like me, or you can do it yourself at a bank or a mutual You can do it anywhere you want to and all say, right. I want to combine these three IRAs. All and, right. And they'll be happy to do it. We do it all, all right. the time. All right. Great. Okay? Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. Roland, Mountain View. How are you doing, Roland? Fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for the call.
3: Oh, I'm interested in ETFs just like everybody else. Not Perfect. Home. Okay. Is it really tough to try to build a portfolio that's balanced out of ETFs? I don't think so, Roland.
1: I think it's really easy these days. Why? Because if you go to that Uh ETFconnect.com, they break the ETFs down by industries. And they have ETFs in every industry, every market, every country, almost every country anyways. They have ETFs by continents, like the EFA, you know, the Eastern European and Asian market. You can buy an ETF that covers the whole span.
3: Well, what about uh, their um, high beta or low beta Ah, their small okay. cap, midi and midi-
1: They actually have. <laughs> they, they have do. ETFs that just do small cap or mid cap or large cap. Mid-cap growth, small-cap growth, small-cap and They're back. all segregated. Borland, if you go to that ETF Connect or okay. any one of those other options, you'll see, man, I can split these things any way I want. I can buy right. 10 shares here, 10 shares there, 10 shares, or 100 shares, 150 shares. I can spread it all around, and I have great diversification with not a lot of money.
3: And uh, what's the minimum to get in?
1: You can buy one share.
3: Well, I mean, if you want to... <laughs>
1: Well, you say what well, the minimum you could buy one share. I wouldn't do that, but no. you could. It depends on your trading costs. Let's say your trading cost is ten dollars a trade. Well, you know, I would like to buy enough to make it. You know, I don't, so I don't have to double my money just to break even on the ETF. So uh, <laughs> for me, you know, I, I think you need to have about twenty-five thousand bucks, and then you can get a very good spread, and the trading costs won't kill you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. For Thanks, you. Roland. Appreciate the call.
0: Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on InvestTalk.
1: Let's go to Tony at Mendel Park. How are you doing, Tony? Very good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I had a question regarding how to buy a mutual
2: fund. When I buy a mutual fund, I try to evaluate the mutual fund manager's style and performance and whatnot. Do you have any service that you know of or any website that actually just looks at the fund manager's performance?
1: Have you ever looked at Morningstar.com, Tony? Sure. Okay, Morningstar.com has a little section on each one of those funds that says this is how it's done against its peer group. Have you seen that little section?
3: Uh, Yeah, I believe so.
1: That is where you're gonna compare the managers with other managers in the same group. And Tony, that's a beautiful way to pick a fund. That's one of my main criteria: is pick the fund based on the manager. Pick the fund based on his three, five, and 10 year performance. Mm -hmm. And you want that guy, that particular guy has been there for 10 years or five years and he produced this performance. And then that performance is one of the top performances of the, his entire peer group. This is a big problem I have with people, you know, not checking him against his peers. You can't check him against the market, or you really need to check him against his peers. If the whole market goes down 25%, and he only went down 3%, and he's the best guy, that's the guy you pick. You know, that kind of thing.
2: Right. I was just going to say, I'll take a closer look at that, and I uh, appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Tony. Oh. Appreciate
1: it. Vic in Bay Area. How you doing, Vic?
2: I'm good, Steve. How you doing
1: today? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling.
2: Oh, thank you for taking my call. Just had a quick question. I'm actually scheduled to meet up with you here in the very near future. I know we're going to have limited time, and I, I thought this might be useful to other people. So okay. on the 401K, it's pretty much that's all I've uh, dealt with so far in my investment career. Okay. I would like to start taking off and doing some of the stock individually. Does one get uh, a thing for that as far as if you cash in uh, some of the 401K investment money and, and investment stocks, or is that... Kind of like trading in for a mutual
1: fund. Good question, Vic. It depends on your particular 401K, for instance. Many, many 401Ks give you limited options of what you can buy, right? Pretty much, yes. Okay, and that's mostly what is out there. But some 401Ks, the one I have for my employees, allows you to opt out of those options and trade individual stocks in the 401 k. You have to ask your employer if that's an available to you. Okay. And the employer has to pay for that option in behalf of its employees, but it's only $100, 200 bucks a month. It's not a ton of money. Now, if you took the money out of the 401k and bought stocks outside, you're going to get paid tax and penalty, and you don't really want to do that. All right. And when we meet, Vic, bring me your uh, selection so I can take a look at what you get to choose from.
2: Yeah, we'll do. I'll definitely bring that. And then also, uh, there was something that I wanted to ask you about. A plan that's supposed to solidify your mortgage in nine years, and I don't know how the heck they can do that. But I'll uh, bring that along great. as well.
1: We'll talk about that, too. I've done that, done those kinds of things myself and gotten burned and gotten great benefit from. It. Depends on the plan. Okay, good deal. I'll bring that along as well. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate the call. Look forward to seeing you. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART- 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now. Now that this coronavirus scare has shut down all the gymnasiums, my wife has had to go and start running again. That's her normal workout now, and all of a sudden her knees became inflamed, creating lots of pain. Obviously, she's looking for relief and started applying Quanta's Muscle Rub multiple times per day, three times a day. She told me it helps reduce her soreness and discomfort. Now, if you listen to our podcast, you know I'm skeptical about many of these kind of products. I'm here to tell you, from personal experience, this brand is believable. Quanta is a publicly traded applied science company. They make health and wellness products utilizing patented technology and makes them up to five times more efficient. The flagship product is an all-natural muscle rub that alleviates aches and pains because it directly reduces inflammation. We have teamed up to help listeners to invest talk. So, for a limited time, you can save 20% off of all Quanta's health wellness products by using the coupon code INVEST, that's I-N-V-E-S-T, on their website. Their website is buyquanta.com. That's B U Y Q U A N T A dot com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. Let's go to Bob and Elsa Bronte. How are you doing, Bob? Hey,
3: I've got a question about two measurements that you often use. One, yeah. the 200-day moving
2: average, and yeah. the other, the level of the Dow. And aren't they different now than they were, I mean, as measurements, as gauges, Uh, than they were, say, a year ago.
1: Yes, because the moving averages moves, and the level of the Dow moves even more violently.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the the 200-day moving averages of a a number of stocks, and it seems like most good stocks are above their 200-day moving average significantly. And so how do you use that as a, as a buying-selling gauge if, uh, if they've just broken through
1: it? Remember, Bob, the 200-day moving average is a long-term moving average. That's for investors that buy and pretty much hold. They don't really care about any other indicators. So the 200-day moving average is a very good indicator to tell you if the stock is in a long-term bull phase or a long-term bear phase. Right, but then if you're looking for stocks to buy,
2: and most good stocks have broken through it strongly, then how do you use that as a, as a measurement?
1: A lot of companies uh, may, will move down to close to their 200-day moving average. You want to buy them if they find support at that 200-day moving average. Now, they may not get down that far, and the more extended a stock is beyond its 200-day moving average, bomb, the more risk you're taking buying that stock. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, let's go to Bruce in Newark. How are you doing, Bruce? I was just wondering, you were talking about high-yield bond yes, funds, closed-end. What do you think about
2: high-yield open-ended uh, bond funds at this point?
1: I prefer the closed-end funds, and you want me to tell you why? Yes. Because closed-end funds, because I know no one out there, or very few people know what the difference between an open-end fund and a closed-end fund. A closed-end fund has a finite number of shares, okay? Where an open-end mutual fund, they just keep issuing shares as people put money in. Okay, everybody knows a mutual fund, Mutual fund uh, operates on net asset value, right? So how, whatever the assets they purchase, what is the actual value of them today? Add those all in, divided by the number of shares, and this is your net asset. This is what it is. A closed-in fund has a finite amount of shares. Therefore, they don't keep issuing shares. Therefore, a closed-in fund can sell at a discount or at a premium to the net asset value of the holdings. Many times they will sell at a discount. Well, the closed-end funds, especially the high yield, a lot of them are selling at a discount right now. In other words, if that fund liquidated, it would give us all more and more money. In other words, they're selling all the positions in there at a discount. Therefore, we're getting a higher yield and I'm getting a bargain. I'm getting it on sale. Whereas an open-end fund, you wouldn't get any bargain. You get it right what the value is today. That's it. That's the only reason why I like them today better than I would any other day.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to decide what to do with my fixed income allocation in my 401k plan, and it has a high yield bond fund and a stable
1: value. Well, a stable value wouldn't give you too much income because that's not what they're designed to do. They're designed to stay stable and give you some income. The high yield is pretty much an income play, but of course you have a little bit high risk with that than the stable value. So you're going to have to trade stable versus risk. Bruce, that's a tough call. Maybe put half in each. How's that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate the call. Tim, Newport Beach. How you doing?
2: Thanks for taking my call. This is an insurance question, and I um, I'm with a uh, insurance company, a longtime mm-hmm. customer, mm-hmm. and I have home, rentals, and auto, no claims whatsoever, mm-hmm. and their premiums have gone through the roof. It's one of the publicly traded companies. Who,
1: which one? You can tell. All.
2: Them. All state. Okay. And, um...
1: You know, Tim, you need to get competing bids. You'll find that you'll get a bit much bigger, and you get a bargain. You will find other companies that will... If you don't have any claims, remember, and, and just so you'll know, Tim, they find out. If you don't fess up to them, they will find out if you have claims. They have a system called the CIB Index, uh, the insurance between the insurance companies, and all of them report to the third party that reports... Every insurance company reports every claim. To a third party, and then they all—all all the members of this index—you had to pay to be a member—submit your name and your social security number to that index. They'll find out about every claim you ever made. So you oh can't, good, I didn't know that. Yeah, most people don't know that. I used to work in the insurance business. That's how I know.
2: Oh good. Um, What's the downside?
1: <laughs> there's really no downside. Let's even though you're a long-term customer and you say, "But well, gee, I don't want to lose my uh, my my." My relationship, my, you know what, insurance companies, they don't give two cents about your relationship, Tim. You have too many claims, your history. Let's say all of a sudden you had two or three claims, a rash for some reason, you know, uh, for your house. They'll cancel you. They'll double your rate. They don't care about the 20 years you're with them. You have to shop around. Insurance is always available. You can find it. i guarantee you, Tim, you'll find it for 25% less than you're paying today somewhere. Yep. Yeah, it, you will find it cheaper. All you do is to call up a few companies. Um, you know, there, there's so many. If you email me, Tim, I'll give you a, a several companies I think you should check with.
2: Oh, good. Thank you.
1: Okay, Tim, appreciate it. Just go to InvestTalk.com and hit contact me, contact us, and type in, I'm the guy on the radio show, could you give me a couple of insurance companies to check some rates for homeowners, auto? And also Tim, I don't know if you do this, but if you might want to get excess insurance, you get you get umbrella? I do. Okay, then good. That's the way you go about it. Some people buy like, well, oh, I'll buy two million dollars or with their insurance. Well, no, buy five hundred thousand, then get two million umbrella. Yeah, it's right. much cheaper. Much cheaper way. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and we're here to help you get better results, if we can, with your invested dollars. That's our goal. Do you have a question? Check in now. 888-99-CHART.
0: Presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992 4278. Let's go to Kathy Ocean Side. How are you doing, Kathy? Hi. Uh, my question is my husband and I are going through a bankruptcy,
2: uh-huh. and we were able to keep our house, but we're just Starting to look at now, how are we going to rebuild and what would be the best strategies for us
3: starting all over again?
1: Okay. Well, one way you need to get some couple of credit cards. Now, that doesn't sound like you can do it, huh? You can. This is how you do it you have to go to the credit card company and deposit money with them. It's like a prepaid credit card. Yeah. Okay. And, And use it. Use that money and do it month to month to month to month. Uh, I had a sister-in-law who filed bankruptcy, did this, took her several years. This is how she rebuilt her credit. Now she's, I think it was seven or eight years ago. Now her, her credit is pretty decent because that's what she did. So that's what you want to do. You got to start rebuilding and prove that you are going to make payments. You know, and that-
4: Take out small loans that you know for a fact that you can pay back. And that will build your credit because when you have accounts that are fully paid off and fully up to date and they have a long credit history on them, you've had them for many years, that will improve your credit score over time.
1: Okay. That's where you start, Kathy. So, good luck. I hope it works for you. It will work. Good luck with it. Thank you. Let's go to David in San Diego. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great, thank you. Thank you for calling.
2: Uh, my question is about Roth IRAs. My wife and I want to start contributing to one, but we're a few years away from hitting that uh, that income ceiling. What happens after we hit that mark? Can we no longer contribute, and have to open up a separate one, or do you know how that works?
1: Yes, we're not accountants, but I kind of know how it works. Are you maxing out your 401ks?
2: No, we're just what we're planning to take a 401k down just for so the company match and put some at the
1: Roth. Okay. Actually, right, so I think that's a good idea. Roth acts like a regular IRA. In other words, you can put as much money up to $5,000 in it. Roth is after-tax money, and it grows tax-free. When you pull it out, some years, whenever it is down the road, after your retirement age, you don't have to pay any taxes on the money that's coming out. When you hit the income limit, in other words, you and your wife make X amount of dollars, I think it's...
3: 160
2: something, I believe. 168, 169,
1: I think. Okay. When you hit that number, you no longer, I believe, you can no longer contribute to any Roth. You can't open up another one or anything like that. No, you cannot contribute to a Roth anymore because you make too much money. I don't know why they think in those terms. But you need to check with an accountant, Dave, about that number because the number probably changes all the time every year. I appreciate but it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. That's a Roth IRA. Let's go to JP in San Francisco. How are you doing, JP?
2: Hey, I got a question. You know how uh, whenever you talk to a finance radio talk show, uh-huh. they always uh, talk about how analysts is, like they're just pumping up stocks.
1: They're usually wrong. So I they're mean, not always wrong, but they're usually wrong.
2: But majority of the time, they're wrong.
1: Right. I would say more than fifty percent.
2: So what about using as a strategy, just going opposite what they always
1: talk about? (laughs) Yeah, that might be a good strategy. I've never never thought about that. (laughs) What I have noticed is what happens is they're usually wrong. It's the degree of how wrong they're going to be. Someone did a study, I read this a few months back, from the very initial looking at a stock. In other words, let's say eBay came out with earnings tonight, and now the analysts are going to be predicting what they're going to do next quarter. From this point right now, they're usually off, according to this article, about 40, 40 percent. Wow. But what they do is they keep changing their numbers as the quarter goes by, so even at the very end, they're still wrong, they're just not as wrong as they were before. Now that could be wrong high or low. You never know how, which side of the coin they're going to be wrong on. Uh, so that's the problem.
2: That's interesting. All right, Good enough. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to Jimmy and Sam Ramon. Hi, Jimmy.
2: Hey, Steve. Uh, I'm a new listener, new uh, to uh, this whole investing thing. I actually have a
1: investment set up with my union, but uh, I've been looking to spend maybe a thousand dollars and get into my own stocks, building my own stuff. And I was wondering what you thought would be a good one to get into with that smaller amount of money. Well, just to let you know, we can answer questions, but I can't give you recommendations. How old are you? 24. This is a great time to start thinking about it because the market over time will give you, oh, 10%, that's what it's done over time for the last 7,500 years, Mm -hmm. 10% return. The question is, a lot of people don't get that return because they have no clue what they're doing. One of the problems that most people do have is they let their emotions get involved with their decision making. Mm Mm-hmm. When they see their prices are going down and the stock market's crashing, they get out. you got to look longer term. When they see the market going up and just up, 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 they put more money into it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you really want to be successful, when you are at your saddest and you feel like you're just wasting money putting in the market, that's when you put more in. Uh-huh. And when you're at your happiest, that you're making a ton of money over the years. And look at this. this, stock, this My stocks went up the last six months to 100% sell take it out take some (laughs) profits you play your own emotions that way you'll be a lot better off so the one thing you need to do is figure out how to evaluate stocks how to determine whether this is a stock that's overpriced or is this stock on sale Uh stick with the price of stocks that are on sale but at the same time those same on sale stocks you want to be in an uptrend on a chart in other words the stock has been moving up consistently for a while That's how you pick stocks. Uh If you give me a call, I will be happy to give you some value methods that are not very difficult. Uh And then on the websites, there's a ton of places. One of the easiest way to evaluate a stock, and I'm going to give it to you right now, is take next year's growth rate of a stock. Multiply that times its earnings estimates by the experts. For next year. Remember, the stocks look forward, not backward. So if the earning for next year is going to be a dollar per share, it's always a per share issue. If the earnings is going to be a dollar per share next year and it's growing at 20% a year, multiply 20 times a dollar and the stock price fair value is about $20. Sounds good. Okay. You're great. Good luck on it. You'll love it. I started at uh, 21. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you 888 99 chart, beginning our experience. We're here to answer your questions.
4: Numbers are elusive.
2: I bought this stock last year at about $6.75.
4: They're always changing. I got them at $3.99 and it's took a major hit. First up, then down, then up again, or maybe sideways. What would be a good entry point? On Talk, the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners and their portfolios. Carl in Ohio, he wants to talk about his 401k.
1: Hi Justin, uh, long-time listener of the show. I absolutely love it. Let's go to Dave in San Leandro. You've got
4: to be prepared for volatility.
2: I want to know what you think for someone like me. And
4: they know it. I'm
2: 31 years old.
4: So the Questions keep coming.
2: Should I dollar cost average
4: that? 24-7.
3: How much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds?
4: From every part of America.
3: Hey, Steve and Justin. My
4: name's Josh calling from Buffalo, New York. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best to decipher the potential meanings thanks for everything you guys do and here's one number that keeps rising more than 21 million invest talk podcast downloads and for that steve and justin thanked their loyal listeners
2: i find you guys to be pretty much entirely trustworthy so i'm curious how do you do that
4: independent thinking shared success it's all about the numbers InvestTalk.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Talk.
1: 888-99-CHART is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. Okay, let's go to Jim in Carlsbad. How are you doing, Jim? Uh, The question I had was about the
2: mutual fund versus the exchange-traded fund. What
1: exactly is the difference between those? Okay. ETFs are fairly new, and there's lots, of it's kind of exploding and take a lot of money out of the mutual fund, so it's kind of an interesting thing. The mutual fund has a manager, okay? He may be a large-cap mutual fund. He may be a small-cap. He may have a discipline that he is employing, and he states that in the prospectus. And he says, I'm going to buy large-cap stocks. So he goes out and buys those large-cap, and he manages, buys and sells, and he tries to manage that portfolio to make money. A ETF, exchange traded fund, is an unmanaged fund. It follow indexes like the QQQs or the SPYs or it can follow a sector like uh, the insurance sector or the banking sector or oil sector. It can be an ETF that just has those group of stocks in them, but they're not managed at this point. Most of the time they're not managed. They're not managing the ETFs. You're just buying that group of stocks and there you go. So one so is much more managed than the other. On the other hand, ETFs are much cheaper because they're not managed, it's the cheaper fees than a mutual fund. So ETFs that's ETFs
2: are more focused on industry groups then and rather than uh, capital value or.
1: and areas of the world, even country specific sometimes. Oh. Or just areas of the market, yes. Great. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Lloyd in San Diego. How you doing, Lloyd?
2: Pretty good. I've been thinking a lot about unrealistic expectations of retirement Uh, lately. Like I have 150 thousand in my company's pension plan, yes, and I have 130 thousand in my 401k. Okay. Now, from my understanding, is if I left my company right now at the age of 50, I have to do something with that pension. I can either let them maintain it, or I have to move that money somewhere. Right. But I can't touch that till I believe I'm the age of 62.
1: The smartest thing usually, uh, Lloyd, is to take it out of there, roll it over into an IRA. And then you manage or you hire somebody to manage it. Usually that's the smartest thing. Many times they'll try to talk you into an annuity and annuitize it. Right. And, and I never like that idea. I think the expenses are too much. Too, costs are too high. And then you're stuck. Whatever it is, it is. You don't have any freedom whatsoever. My personal <laughs> preference would be to roll it over in an IRA. And that's what? It comes to about 280000 for you total. Right. What you need to do is think in these terms. 7% to 10% return in the stock market, okay? If you want to maintain your lifestyle and not touch the principal, figure out what 7 to 10% on 280000 is, and there's your money.
2: So that's what my stocks are doing in my 401k. That's about the average return I've been getting on a quarter on those. They've been doing pretty good.
1: Okay, that's good. If it's on a quarter, that's pretty good. So I'm
2: thinking about leaving the San Diego area and moving to an area where living is a
1: lot less. Well, that's what my parents did. They went to, uh, outside of Tucson, loved it, by the way. It was desert, but I didn't like it, but they loved it. And the house value here compared to there, they had tons of extra money. Right. So then they lived off that money, plus their retirement. It worked out fine for them. That's
2: not too bad to think that way, then?
1: No, that's a good way to think. If you don't mind moving out of the Southern California area and buying someplace that's half the price, man, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Thanks, all Lloyd. Right. All right, thank it. you. Thank you.
0: Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call eight 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 ninety nine chart C H A R T. Have a question about how best to get into the market, or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk.
1: And let's go to Sin or Sai in Oceanside. How you doing, Sai? How you doing, sir? Good. Um,
2: I'm a beginning investor. Okay, <laughs> I have a question about OCT. Uh, are they stock, or are, if you if you buy it, are they easy to sell? Or uh, because they're cheap, so what's OCT?
1: What over the over counter? Over the counter trade, right? Oh, these are you're talking about pink sheet stocks. They call them pink oh, sheets. Oh,
3: okay.
1: Um, over the counter, it's called also pink sheets. And the it reason happens. why they call them pink sheets is because the way people file them, they are on pink paper. Uh, don't ask me why. That's where it came from. To me, most pink sheet stocks will go out of business. Okay, I'll let you know for sure. You can make a ton of money, or you can lose all your money on these stocks. And it's really not a good idea for as a beginner to even mess with any of them. They're too Mm -hmm. risky. They're very usually they're very low priced, and they're usually manipulated. People push them up and down, and take advantage of other people buying them. They're too easily pushed up and down. The liquidity is too small. Okay. Go thank to, you. Sai, I appreciate wh- the call. Let's go to Tom in San Francisco. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I thank you for your call. I would like to
4: um, ask about long-short equity funds. I've okay. I've heard a little about that lately.
1: For everybody else, what uh, Tom is asking about is a mutual fund that goes long and a mutual fund that goes short, right? Yes. Okay. So you're talking about a fund that goes short and long. Yes. There's not too many of them out there, but I kind of like them. Because you're giving the manager a lot of flexibility. So if something disastrous happens, he can play the market on the downside. You're buying a mutual fund, which is allowing the mutual fund manager to short the market. And for everybody else, shorting the market means that that you make money if the market goes down. You make money if that particular stock goes down, that you're shorting. Long means you make money when the stock price goes up. So if you have a short, long mutual fund... You're letting that guy decide whether he wants to be long, short, or both. And if he's both, he's straddling the market. He's not sure what direction he's going. You know, the market's going to go. So you can short really bad stocks and go long really good stocks and you can make money both ways. But generally, I'll say this. Generally, the market, if it goes in a particular direction, if it's going up, the shorts don't work and the longs work. If it's going down, the shorts work and the longs don't, generally speaking. Tom, there's really not much difference in their management fees and so on and so forth. It's pretty much the same. Also, usually on these long-short funds, you're allowing them to go to cash when they want to.
4: In general, then, are these more risky because they are got shorts in them?
1: They would be considered more risky, Tom. I don't consider them more risky, but the SEC does consider them more risky because shorting the market is more risky. Why is it more risky? Because if you short a stock... To get out of a short is the act of buying, and if the stock goes up that you're shorting, it can go up forever, and you can lose infinite amounts of money. (laughs) That's why they consider it more risky. Now, of course, what manager in his right mind will let it do that, but still, that's the possibility. And if you go long, the most you can lose is all your money, go down to zero. So it's less risky. To me, that's kind of a silly argument, but the SEC considers them more risky, Tom. In fact, I think if you did the statistics, I think you'd find they're less risky, but they're considered more risky by most people. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Tom. Okay. Remember, we love beginner questions, so we welcome your question at 888-99-CHART. Now, what is the question?
2: I love your show, new listener and new investor.
1: Great. I had a
2: question. I wanted to know, when do you know when to sell your mutual
1: fund? Aha. Okay, you got a little pen that you can write some of this yes, down.
3: Yes,
1: I do. Or you can listen to the show later on our archives. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Uh, one rule. One rule we like is when they change managers. That's one reason to sell.
3: Okay.
1: Another reason to sell is when they stop doing the things they were doing. In other words, let's say they're a small cap value fund, and the fund is not buying small cap stocks or starting to buy mid cap stocks. Why are they doing that? Watch the amount of money under management. When that changes dramatically, consider getting out.
2: Is that um, also with uh, global funds also?
1: Yes, it is. What happens, Joe, is when these mutual funds, they're successful and they have, let's say, a a 500 million dollars under management, and they're doing really, really well, they attract a lot of money in a short period of time, it really affects their performance going forward. They can't do what they do. That's why it's the best ones will close uh-huh. and not take more money. I see. All right. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate, Appreciate the call. It. Thank you.
4: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices Parallel Investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP Financial programs at InvestTalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. And we're going to go talk to Noel in San Francisco. How are you doing, Noel?
3: I'm doing good.
1: I wanted to see what you thought of Ibon. I'm looking at a lot of different uh, investment opportunities, but I thought
4: I'd... uh... That'd be a conservative spot, and I kind of expect uh, inflation to
1: kick up its heels uh, in, in the future. I don't see how it couldn't. But I like I-bonds, Noel, for your conservative money. I think that's a lot better place than money market. You're going to make a lot more money there, and yep. it would always keep up with inflation, which is, you can't say that about a CD.
3: Yeah, it's beautiful, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good place to put some money that you want to protect. You don't want to take too much risk with it. I-bonds, everybody's inflation-protected bonds are U.S. government, Treasury. And what happens they have two parts to them. One part of the, the yield you get is fixed, okay? And so they add those two together, those two parts, inflation and base. And they add those two together. And every six months, the inflation part gets reset based on the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. So if inflation goes up, your yield goes up. If inflation goes down, your yield goes down. Uh, I'll tell you this, Noel. I think mm-hmm. inflation is going to be a problem. The only way I see it becoming a problem, really, is if jobs start to get created. So yeah. inflation is going to be kind of tame. On the other side of the coin, you got the commodity part. And I think we're going to see inflation commodities even, with, even without the job creation. Because the mm-hmm. demand worldwide on the commodities yes. are going to push prices up. Yes, but inflation really can't get a hold until we see some job creation. Therefore, I don't think it's going to fall at all. That inflation part of that. I right, want. I agree. I, I think it can only go up. I don't think it can fall. Okay, I, thanks. I, I, I think it's a great yeah. place, Noel. You got yeah. my permission. I think it's great. Okay, thank you. Thanks, thanks, Noel. Paul in Point Richmond, how you doing, Paul?
3: Very good, thank you. Um, I'm approaching retirement, and I'm pretty well diversified, but I have $100,000. I'm afraid to really risk market right now. I'm in a money market. It's at 3%. I'm thinking I'll just, I don't know where else to go. I'm afraid of REITs. I'm afraid of the high-yield market. I just think I may leave it sit there until, say, bonds go higher in terms of yield, and then invest in a bond.
1: Can I give you a, a better way to go without taking any risk? Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know if you heard me talk about laddering before. Uh, Yes. Okay, how about taking that $100,000 and divide it up into maybe, let's say, 10 parts, $10,000 each. Okay. You could do CDs or you can do treasuries. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and what you do is you go out like six months. When do you think interest rates will go up? Maybe three months? Yeah. Okay, first one due in three months. Go out three months. The next one, six months. The next one, nine months. The next one, one year then 2 years, 3 years, 4 years. What you do is you keep ladder them out to the longer, so you keep going out far. Okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe go out only maybe 3 to 4 years. Okay? okay? So now as interest rates rise, the first 10,000 comes due, you go out for like 3 years. And that'll give you the highest rate for three years, right? Right. Then the next one, that now six months later, you're going to go out another three years. So three years and three months, the second one would come. Do you see how I'm doing that? Uh-huh. What this does, is called a ladder. If interest rates rise, you're getting more and more return. And over the long haul, if interest rates continue to rise, you will make more money. And it's very safe okay you can do it that way you know if you lock up a cd for a year or two years mm-hmm. and interest rates go up in between you're not really maximizing your gain. you are maximizing your security you know if you're safe yeah. but the latter idea is not that hard really when it comes up for renewal you just got to tell the bank or you can do it by phone or whatever they'll do it automatically over the phone Tell them what you want.
3: What portion of that should I have available to pay tax on that income?
1: Well, what you do is you make sure that you have one come due a little bit before April 15th. Okay.
3: Yep. (laughs) That way, you know, okay, here's $10,000. Well,
1: how much do I need to pay taxes? All right. Paul, that's a good question. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Thanks very much.
0: A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART.
1: We're going to go to Dennis in Richmond. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing? Thank you for for taking my call.
2: Got a question for
1: you. Uh, What do you know about private equity? I've got... uh... Uh, uh, They scare me. How's that? Okay. (laughs) You know, there's obvious reasons. Private equity means that someone's trying to Produce money to build a company, to run a company, to manage a company, and their idea is eventually to take it public. When it does, you as a private equity investor, you're buying shares while it's private right. in the company, and while it's private, you know it's what's its value. Its value, whatever maybe the company's worth something, maybe it's not. It's hard to know because you got to find someone else to buy it from you, you personally. But once it goes public, you can cash in big, and that's the whole attractiveness of it. Uh So why, you have someone to offer you a private equity thing, Dennis? uh,
2: Yeah. yeah. I get
1: those all the time.
2: Yeah. You're going to do it? uh, Well, I haven't decided yet.
1: The biggest thing on these, Dennis, is do you know the people? Do you trust the people? If you don't know them, I would walk away. If you know them very well and you know all about that business, then you have special knowledge, then you could do it. But they are so good. The brochures and everything looks so good. And I would run the other way if these are just out of the blue and you don't, you know, someone just found you. Run. Right,
2: right. Well, I have to get my running
3: shoes in.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, I, I've just seen too much of this stuff go sour. That's why. Just yeah. too much. Now, I'd say nine out of 10 go bad. You lose all your money. Yep, but that yep. one tent, that one, you could be a multimillionaire. That's the why it's, it's, it's why it's attractive sometimes.
3: Okay. I don't think my luck is
1: that good. Yeah, I'd run. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the call. appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Okay. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: We're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest
1: Talk. 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992 Let's talk to Santa in uh, San Diego. How you doing, Santa?
3: Santa? Fine, thank you. How are you?
1: Good, thanks for calling. I appreciate it.
3: My pleasure, but uh, thank you for having me on your show but i wanted uh, to ask you about uh children us say i have my 18 year old daughter she's very ambitious and she saved some money and all that and we went to open an account at the bank and i wanted to see what your opinion is on like to make the best i know it's very little uh interest or little profit they can make out of their little income but just the beginning what would be the best route to take
1: okay well she's so young did mm-hmm. she have any earnings last year or this year? Did she work? Uh, this year, Okay, yes. so uh, are you going to open up an yeah. IRA for her? Is that what you were thinking?
3: Uh, well, I don't know, to be honest. We just opened a little uh, okay. checking account and okay. the bank and applied for a credit card.
1: Okay, so uh, the money that you put in the market, Sana, is money that you don't plan on really touching for a long time. So don't, That's fine. So if it's she's doing that, then she should put it in... Uh, uh, like any kind of account, a discount account, like E-Trade or or Scott Trade, those kind of accounts, open up an account in her name, uh, and then she could buy something like um, the S&P 500, which is you can buy all 500 companies with one, one, one position called the SPY. It's an ETF, and you can buy it and just hold it, and she can ride the market in that. And you can do that with very little money and very little cost. Okay, so you do trust the scar trade because we have an office right next to where I work. Yes, they're SIPC okay. insured, SIPC insured, up to $500,000. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you, she will never have to worry. They're the custodian. She'll never have to worry about her money, someone trying to steal it. All right. Let me tell you who'd steal money. is people that uh, manage other people's money that they do not have SIPC insured. Mm-hmm. So never ever give your money to somebody who's not SIPC insured. SIPC?
3: Sure.
1: SIPC.
3: Sounds S- great, thank you so much. Thanks for the she call, Sana. That. Thank you All very right. much. have a good day.
1: Tim, San Diego, how are you doing Tim?
2: Hi, I'm doing well. I have a question on a 401k account. I've got a mutual fund that I've been investing in and in 2004, they closed it to new investors? Yes. So I'm still able to contribute, and I do. However, I've heard that there could be some disadvantages to funds that are closed to new investors. Can you add any information to that?
1: I don't think there is disadvantages. If you'll forgive me, let me explain it to everybody else. Mutual funds are open-ended. All mutual funds are open-ended, and you can keep buying shares, but they do have the right to close it. That means that they say, we got too much money for what we do. Or we don't want to get too much money for what we do. Maybe we buy small cap stocks and we're getting too big. Or too much money flooded in too fast. That happens too. It's very responsible for the fund managers to close it. When I hear a fund manager closing the fund, I say good for them. Because they have recognized they're not as greedy as they could be, Tim, right? I mean, what money manager doesn't want more and more and more money? They make a percentage, all the money they manage. So if they closed it, there's not too many downsides. Now, when a fund is closed, it's usually just closed for any new investors. But existing clients, existing investors can continue to add money if they want to. And that's the situation you find yourself. Now, Tim, the disadvantages of a closed fund. Well, the disadvantage was, is there. there's a reason why they closed the fund. The reason could be they have too much money to stay focused in the investments that they have. It's a good and bad thing. Well, the good thing is they recognize that they want to stay focused on what they can do, and that's by not taking more and more and more money in. The bad is they probably got too much money, so they might underperform. This
2: is a huge fund. It's called the Prime Cap Fund at Vanguard.
1: Oh, oh. Well, absolutely means very little in this situation because they are so big. They are the market. Oh. They are so big, Tim, when they throw around a few billion dollars, that's pennies to them. So they're so big, they have to buy the big stocks, and pretty much whatever the stock market does, they do. It's almost like buying an index fund.
2: Okay. As a growth fund, it's okay. It's a good component to still having a 401k Sure.
1: There's nothing wrong with it. I wouldn't pick it because of the size. I, I'm kind of a guy who likes to make sure the manager has flexibility and because of the size I wouldn't pick it but your 401k that might be one of the better ones in your 401k because you don't get a lot of choices great right. well okay. thanks for the information thanks Appreciate for calling it. thank okay. you I'm Steve Peasley and this completes another invest top program everybody please remind your friends that they can listen to invest talk five days a week in the four o'clock hour Pacific time And they can download podcast shows anytime they want. Justin will be here on Monday. I will return on Tuesday. So everybody have a great weekend.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.